radio hour, um, just plugging away through February, thank goodness, on the tail end. Um, so we have been working through the missionary journeys of Paul. Um, so last week we covered kind of the mid part of Acts chapter 14. Um, we're going to finish up Acts chapter 14 as we um, just continue on. I'll start reading if that's all right, Ben. So this is Acts chapter 14, verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch to Iconium. I kind of wanted to stop right there. I missed last week. And there's one little piece I wanted to mention as we've been working through this chapter. And, you know, Paul and Barnabas are faithfully preaching the gospel. And they'll get kind of moved on out of the city. The There's stir-up persecution, and they have to move on. And... Um, this last time when they moved, they only moved a few miles. Like, they were looking to stone them. They were looking to, you know, just kill them, not just move them along. They wanted them dead. <laughs> and did they, like, hey, let's blaze a trail out of here. We got to get as many miles away as right. we can. Nope. Just nope. went the right to city. the next town. Um, so here we are. Um, they just scoot on down to the next town. They don't care. They're going to preach the gospel and do what God has called them to do. Um, and it says that the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. They weren't hard to find because they were just down the road. Having uh, persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe, where they preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples. They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that though many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed so previously they threatened to stone them in this section they stoned them so um, before we finish off this section a question I had is it says that they stoned him supposing that he was dead. Was he dead? Or was there a miracle here? Was there a resurrection miracle or just a, a yeah. miracle of healing? Correct. I, I, I think there was definitely a miracle for him because the next city they went to was 40 miles. And the scripture does say later that they went to that next city the day after. So to take a 40-mile trek after a stoning, even if you weren't resurrected from the dead, there's still a miracle that took place type thing. Um, and so I got three different, we're obviously not going to read them unless we think we've got time, but uh, J. Vernon McGee took the approach that uh, John MacArthur basically debunked, and that is that, yes, he was dead, and yes, it was a miracle, and he was resurrected, and J. Vernon McGee uses the passage in another place where Paul talks about his third heaven experience, Okay, well, John MacArthur says the key to this whole thing is supposing. Uh, you probably read that. I did. <laughs> and, and so that word supposing is never used except that it's just that. The, they believed, and, and they convinced themselves that he was dead because they believed he was dead, but, but he wasn't actually dead. And because all the other usings, if that's the right way to say it, usages, of the word supposing is, is just that. It, it, it's just a reckoning, but, it, but it does, it's not based on fact. They thought it happened, but it didn't happen. But it didn't, right. So uh, MacArthur does a masterful job, as he always does, supporting that 
that the third heaven experience happened too many years, you know, past this situation, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then uh, it'll come to me. Warren Wiersbe probably takes the best approach and says, it doesn't say. We don't know. It just says they supposed that he was dead, but he wasn't. So we, it doesn't tell us that he was, he was resurrected. It doesn't tell us that he was actually dead. And then he goes on, uh, Warren Wiersbe, to say that he feels like this was just desserts. You will reap what you sow. And Paul stood over a stoning. So he had a stoning in his future. <laughs> Ouch. He, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. Hardcore. Hardcore. Uh, and even though I don't know that I would necessarily say that that was an absolute verbatim it had to happen, I, I can't really argue against it either. Yeah. And so I think Warren Wiersbe and John MacArthur are probably closer on the same page than Vernon McGee is. But I love J. Vernon McGee, so he's not necessarily wrong either. We don't, we don't know. I took the, the humorous uh, approach to this passage of, of Scripture and trying to understand it as it happens. So they're in Iconia and Antioch. They get kicked out of there, run out of there. They show up at Lystra. They're presenting the gospel. And Paul sees a guy that's been lame since birth. And he says, stand up and walk. And the crowd goes, wow. They're gods. Let's, We're not worthy. Yeah. Bring a cow. Bring a cow. Bring a, we're going to sacrifice these guys. Wow. Which wow. I'm always for sacrificing a cow, but yeah. <laughs> for other purposes. For other yes. purposes. That's a T-bones. <laughs> so so these, they're wanting to sacrifice to him. And, like, and the Paul very says, no, 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 next don't do day. <laughs> and then they say, I, I'm just seeing this picture in my head. We're going to sacrifice cow to him. Sacrifice him. No, no, no. We're not going to sacrifice. Well, Oh, we're gonna we're gonna build this statue of stone of them. Yeah, wow, wow, wow. Oh, we're gonna no, no, we're gonna stone them. Wow. <laughs> How do you get that mood swing in like a day's time? Well, they had already crazy. done it with Jesus. Hosanna, Hosanna, crucify him, yeah. crucify him. Same mentality. Same thing. Had thought of yeah. that. You know what? I was reading this and I, you know, just a stoning. The thought of hitting someone with rocks so hard, throwing Same. that many. What Whoa. a horrible death. I was thinking when my boys were like a year and a half, one of them threw a sippy cup and it hit me on the bridge of the nose. And I mean, I was just like, you're, oh you're my not gosh. built for stoning, are you? And I was, that's the closest I could think she would have of had to, have been to a stoning. And I was like, man, I got hit with a sippy cup once in the nose and it hurt so bad. I can't imagine boulders. They supposed you were dead. And I, <laughs> the, the boy almost was. It, I suppose that I didn't want to be on the evening news, so I walked it off. But uh, this was such a horrible way to kill someone. And mm. Um, I mean, certainly people died. This is how they would they would kill people like this. So he could have died. Um, but I, I heard an argument that he probably, this was a miracle, no doubt. Oh, no doubt. But it wasn't necessarily a resurrection because mm. when someone was raised from the dead, it, the Bible makes no small deal Big of it. Big deal out of it. Yeah, they don't, there's no gray area. There's no questioning in, questioning the a resurrection. Yeah. Um, but still, definitely a miracle all the same. Because if you were in a car accident and they were supposing you were dead in the car accident, you don't make a 40-mile trek the next day. Right. So uh, I would just like to see what did they think whenever he just goes strolling into town. Because well, like, well, he went back around. to the town that they stoned him the at. The followers that were gathering where he'd been stoned, right. crying, weeping on each other. And he starts to stir. Did you cough? That was me cough. 
they start looking around. Paul's. It's like towards the ending of every Disney movie. That's what happens. Like, oh wait, they're not really dead. There's a breath. Yep. And that had to be the classic neck crunch. <laughs> you know, when he gets up. Uh, I, I think too that uh, one of them. I think it was Warren Wiersbe said, "We don't know, but that that group of disciples could have been begging God, you know, to to to, to, to save his That's life." Another DVD for well, and certainly the people that stoned him thought that he was dead, right. and they obviously see him stroll back into town, so they're thinking like, "Oh." Back. And it makes to you wonder. Bursitis. Did that? Did that turn their? Did that change their mind? Do you think that I changed? Bet some of them, I sure. Sure, it, it would have to, you know, uh, and because we already know that they're easily, <laughs> that they're fickle, you know, because mm-hmm. they go from wanting to sacrifice to him as gods to stoning him to death type deal. And so it's not a big leap to go back to, okay, I'm going to follow him now. Yeah. You know what? We were wrong. He probably is sent by God to give us a message. That's that's right. (laughs) All right. Um, So moving on just in the uh, topic of stoning. So they faced physical stonings. Um, As Christians today, metaphorically, what are stonings that we face today? I I saw an example this week of, uh, I don't remember the guy's name, but it was a pastor of some big church, and he posted on Twitter <laughs> basically saying, you know, women need to be modest and not show yourself they all over there. The There's and a stoning. They absolutely did. They <laughs> yeah. had people calling them, you know, a prude, right. saying well, it's completely ridiculous. Well, they got a lot worse than that. They started but yeah. sending them lewd pictures and everything oh, yeah. else. Just, Naked just, pictures of themselves. <clears throat> just for saying a basic stance that Christians take. Right. And, and, and you know, I, in this day and age, we're going to have to pray through before we put something on Facebook or, or whatever. Be prepared for the backlash. Yeah, be prepared be for the backlash. Mm-hmm. And, and I dare say he was. I, and I would not sit here and say that he was wrong in doing that. He certainly was not wrong in what he said. He might have been naive, and I mean, he would have to tell us. You know what I'm saying? And I hope and pray his church stood by him. I, I assume they did. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah. I think that that particular battle is going to be won church by church, home by home. You see what I'm saying? I don't think that's going to be won on Facebook or the Internet or Instagram or the movie theater even. You're going to have to win that by lovingly training your daughters and your sons to be modest and such of that nature. And and people coming to Jesus because I feel like in the world that, that that's a stoning. Yeah, well, and I couldn't help but think, remember when uh, Pence was vice president and he had a very strict rule about not being alone in a room. I mean, the audacity, correct, to say, I don't want to be alone in a room with a woman unless my someone else is present or, you know, he, and they crucified him for that. That was a stoning for doing the right thing. But, you know, I still Mm -hmm. think that there were onlookers that were watching Paul be stoned that were thinking, you know what, this is wrong. So yeah. even when you make a stand and it's the right stand and, uh, you know, you might get stoned for that in social media or in the media or in the workplace, um, there's still onlookers that are like, you know what, though, right. that was the right thing to do. So uh, forget his name, but the guy at the Bailey Smith conference years and years and years ago, the sermon was some will attack, some will scoff, some will believe. And so you, you've got to know that. And again, if, if God is calling you to this stand, you've got to know that this is not, 
even if it is to show pe show where people are staying at, you know. The the message throughout Acts, especially surrounding Paul, every injury inflicted on him seemed to advance the gospel. So Amen. His stoning There's no advanced doubt. the gospel, his shipwreck advanced the gospel, him being bit by the snake advanced the gospel, everything advanced the gospel. Every wound that he had advanced the gospel. So certainly you need to pray through it. And when you feel led to make the stance, diplomatically make the truth known. Um, yeah, I, I think unfortunately we've turned away from it too much in fear of a stoning. Right. I, yeah, because on no level am I saying don't take the stand. Just make sure God is calling you Amen. to take the stand. You know, th there's a time for everything. Yeah. You know? Hey, don't volunteer for a stoning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so what were some of the cultural issues that these towns were dealing with that the gospel could affect? In a lot of ways, very similar to, to our cultural, you know, stance, if you will. The immorality of the day was, uh, and we talked about this Sunday, there were three uh, accepted sexual releases, if you will, for a man in those days. Uh, he could get married, but that was many times just to carry on the name. But then he was also allowed, if you will, socially to go to the temple of Diana or fill in the blank, Esther. Uh, there were several Greek gods that they worshipped in these pagan temples, and they worshipped by going to bed with a prostitute. And then you had a slave girl that was there for the express purpose of that man, you know, uh, doing his thing. And so uh, you've got, I mean, that's immorality. Uh, that is immorality on huge display. Well, when Paul comes out and says in First Timothy and in Titus that uh, a pastor is to be a one-woman man, you know, well, you, you talk about a Chester Cheetah moment. What? And, and, and so... As these people got saved and they realized what God had called them to, that caused some, you know, for one thing, uh, Ephesus got so upset because uh, this guy that was building little idols, he was losing his job. They weren't buying the idols no more. And he threw an ever-loving fit, uh, especially when they had, you know, we've always, you may remember, uh, Ryan, we, you've probably not seen one, but you've heard us talk about them. But back in the day, we'd, if, we, if a revival broke out in a Baptist church, it wasn't long before some rock and roll records were getting burnt. <laughs> and, and that Even I'm too. Are, are you too that. young to I'm remember that? All right, there that. you go. Well, uh, you've not been to a good Baptist meeting until you've seen some vinyl burn. But, uh, <laughs> and, and we don't think like that anymore. But I, there have been many, many families as they pursue Christ in righteousness, God leads them to, you need to clean out your DVD collection type thing. Mm -hmm. you, need to, you need to quit listening to this and start listening to this. God calls you to righteousness. Well, that, that affects people. If enough people in America quit listening to the world's music, you'd, you'd hear from Jay-Z. You'd hear from it's Beyonce. The, it's the, I think it's the, the television now more no than doubt. the music, but the music certainly supports certainly. it. But there's nothing left to imagination now. Nothing, nothing left. More yeah, movie. that's right. Yeah. Bigotry was accepted. Absolutely accepted. And, of course, bigotry is not accepted in the church of Christ. So, so yeah, there, there were several things. Well, I think, too, it's like the whole, we don't like their message, so let's just cut them off. Yeah. Like, um, that would parallel to where we're at in the world today. Like, well, we don't want to hear this, so let's just stone them. 
Uh, and I mean, how is that not like America today? Like, uh, yeah. we don't like their message, so we're going to go ahead and just shut, shut the Twitter shut, shut account that down. off, shut, shut the Facebook account off. Yeah. And that used to be illegal in the United States of America. Yeah. Because that's that should be quote unquote protected speech. All right. So one final point um, before we close out this segment. Unless did you have another? No, I'm good. Um, so as it closes out what we just read, and I'm just going to briefly go through it. Um, it says that Paul goes back into town. Um, he is miraculously alive, as they supposed he was dead. Um, and it says that they basically go tracing their steps back to where they started. So as we've read the last several weeks, if you've been with us, it was hotbed after hotbed after hotbed. Like they went in and they lit some fires and they started churches and they got, you know, Jews and Gentiles saved and, and they are just really um, preaching the gospel message. And do you think it was um, any of those fires? If anything, it was even hotter. They're going back through all the places they've gotten thrown out and they're bravely just passing right on back through. I imagine to nothing... To the same places that sent the people to get them stoned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right back into Every it. place where they threw them out of town or tried to kill them and throw them out of town or just kill them, they went back through all those places. They weren't afraid. They weren't ashamed. They didn't change their message. They just went on back through. They're not your name it, claim it type. No. Christian. Christians. No. Uh, nothing about uh, prosperity. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, and, and Paul pretty much says that throughout his writings. We did not come to you with men's uh, persuasive speech. We came to you with the power of God. And, you know, as these, as him and Barnabas and, and later Silas, when they would come back into these cities, you know that the people that threw those stones had to think, how dare they? But then they also thought, well, we couldn't stop them. You know, so look at Paul. I mean, he's beat to a pulp. I mean, beat he, to a pulp. He may not be dead, but he sure, sure looks close to him. He must really believe this stuff he's teaching. He looks like I do at about 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and it makes you think. You're at work. You tried to share your faith with somebody. It didn't go so well. So do you tuck your tail? Well, I'm not going to try that again. Mm. And then, I mean, this is like very reassuring. You, you take a Ray Comfort Way of the Master seminar and you go back. Yeah. Ray Comfort will absolutely fire you up. And well, uh, who's the who's the guy that we all know that works with Ray Comfort Bread? Kurt Cameron. Kurt Cameron. Mm -hmm. Kurt Cameron. Good stuff. And they've got a whole online, you know, uh, almost like college course. And and and, and I I'm going to tell you, I don't share the gospel like Ray Comfort does, meaning the same method. But I take great encouragement and confidence from how Ray Comfort. He just, he just stays at it. And he has, I mean, Bill Gothard was pushing Ray Comfort 30 years ago. And Ray Comfort is still sharing the gospel. He, he walks up and down Hollywood sticking microphones in people's face and asking them questions, you know, about Hitler and the Holocaust. And he, and he always brings the gospel around. It's good stuff. So. All right. Well, we'll stop there and do, I'm just saying, anybody? I got a technology, I'm just saying. Uh, this last week has been littered with technology glitches for me. And now my, I got evidence here in my little thumb pad. It, it's completely reversed its function. I have no idea what happened to the, but maybe I'll talk to Brad after that. <laughs> but it, the functions are not the same and I'm still try, I'm trying to figure it out. Working with a printer yesterday and it's given me all kinds of trouble jamming. I jammed it three times and 
I finally called Denise in. She's the IT person of our house, and it wouldn't do it again. So I've got technology challenge. It It must have. She has an authority over technology that I do not possess. I'm just just saying. Ryan, you got one? I do. So uh, we've all heard people say, you know, well, Jesus isn't white. And I'm just saying nobody says that he is. Who's arguing that he is? No doubt. We're not the ones making a big deal out of it. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Well, so that, because I did not have it, I'm just saying, but Ryan just gave me my I'm just saying. Uh, because it's very similar. I, I'm just saying, who in the world ever said that we as Christians believe that anybody other than men or women, led of the Holy Spirit, wrote the Bible? The world thinks that that's the best attack against yeah. Scripture. Well, a, a man wrote uh, the Bible. Just a man wrote it. <laughs> Show me a writing that a man or woman didn't write. Do aliens write math books? No. <laughs> Maybe they did yeah. calculus, but <laughs> okay, okay, calculus maybe. But but that, I, I, that just the oh, I'm using this word in a definition sense. The idiocy of that argument just blows me away. Uh, of course, men read it, wrote it, <laughs> and they wrote it. Some her, can read it. Yeah, too. yeah, some can read it too. That's right. <laughs> Uh, I'm from Arkansas. You got to remember that uh, they were led and moved. The Bible says breathed by God to write these things. I just believe that if they would stop and look at that argument, they would have a problem with it if it was wrote by anything else or anyone else. Of course, a man wrote it because he he wants it to be relatable to men, women, it's boys. Perfectly and girls. consistent with God's. Yeah, I, how he I, operates. He came as a man. He came as a man. He left the gospel with us. He charged us with sharing the gospel with other people. Um, and why he trusted us with that huge responsibility, <laughs> no I have no idea. But Because we were the plan A and there wasn't a plan B. There wasn't, wasn't a plan B. Yep, so, my, I'm just saying, uh, the Super Bowl talk is always the big talk, and the halftime show is always the big talk. And there's so many jokes about the halftime show. Because that was my era of when I was in college, and that was you, you didn't go anywhere without hearing that music. It was it was the music. It was everything on TV, commercials, movies. It was all that was my generation. And somebody said, if you're excited about the halftime show, it's time to schedule a colonoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm just saying. Wow, they're right. Shots fired. I know it hurt. It hurt deep. It was the truth does hurt. I was like, oh <laughs> man. Fired. Did you like the halftime show? I mean, I mean, I'm never going to be able to watch another halftime show now. (laughs) Well, I I, I never have. I mean, I'm watching football for football. I could care less what those folks do in the the meantime. We get up and refill the popcorn bowls. No doubt. Go to the restroom. Cut some more summer sausage. I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. Trying to be spiritual and lead a Bible study. So. Uh, so for our second segment, we're going to have a mystery topic. So that's where each of us bring a mystery topic, and we ask Siri to pick who of us is going to present the Uh-oh. topic. So, Siri, pick a number between one and four. The answer is one. Oh, that's me. <laughs> you go. Thank you, Siri. Fix, fix. Hey, have you noticed? <laughs> have you noticed? Go ahead. What? It's not rigged. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, Siri must have known that my mystery topic played very well into what we talked well, about but tonight. But how do you know our number wasn't one? Oh, 
Well, do you want <laughs> one tonight? She assumed so, herself. So next time, let's claim what our numbers are and then ask Siri. I'm, I thought we saying. went one, two, three, ah. four. I guess well, depending on which way you're facing. <laughs> I'm messing with you, Terry. Go for it. Well, um, I was listening to a friend, uh, and they were discussing kind of what's happening in China um, and the persecution of Christians uh, and, you know, just, I'm sure some of you have heard of, it's um, VOM radio, or it's the voice of the martyrs. Oh, right, right, right. Um, anyway, they're discussing that around the Olympics uh, in China, and this happened in 2008 as well. If you were a Christian, you kind of got relocated involuntarily, like in a Voluntold. camp or a prison, or uh, the Chinese government didn't want anybody around and seeing any Christians around in the media, you know, that they could be seen by media or travelers. They wanted the Christians out. And um, it was interesting. And I went back and listened to this podcast and I'll give you kind of the overview of what is happening in China. First of all, several weeks ago, um, I was telling you uh, statistically the way the trends are now, the Chinese Christians are growing at such a rate that they'll be sending missionaries to the United States. It's growing, it's underground, but it's growing. And I think statistically they said there's some odd like 20 million mm. Chinese Christians in a 1.3 billion, I think is, um, right. and I'll, I'll play a little bit of that in a minute, but um, they're growing underground despite major persecution. And mm -hmm. so the Chinese government is and this is crazy, they're using kind of um, COVID as a way to track Christians. So they're requiring everyone in the country to have what they call a health app, but they're using digital surveillance, facial recognition, like major artificial intelligence to track Christians. And so I guess through the health app, if they've identified you as a Christian and they don't want you to get on a train or to leave where you're at, they'll put you in the red so you can't travel and say it's COVID, but it's actually, you're a, Christian. you're a Christian. And so that's like a way that they're persecuting, but um, they don't have, they can't, they're no longer allowed to have the Bible app. Um, oh, wow. There's, there's just like a lot that's happening to halt the gospel message. And they, before they said they had to register their church with the government. And they were saying, well, if you don't, if you don't register your church, you're all getting in trouble because you're not following the rules. You need to register your church, register your Bible meeting. Um, and so they did that, and then that was a way to track and, and shut down. Um, it was just very interesting and eye-opening that we can meet whenever we want, wherever we want, however we want. For now. They can't even do a, if they wanted to do a Zoom Bible study, that has to be approved. So really, most of what they do has to be underground. It's really, it was really eye-opening. Um, it was eye-opening in the sense that Excuse me. Uh, how fast that could sweep over to America They're at any time. They're developing a digital currency now, I understand, that's going to be even more tightening on them. So you'll be able to have your funds or not, depending on. <laughs> so the digital cur currency is supposedly going to feed right into that technology they're using already. And so um, part of their message through this was to pray for the Chinese through the Olympics because so many Christians 
get relocated or, you know, they're put in prisons. Um, some have been, and they were talking about, um, some of them have been in prison for eight, 12 years. Um, and I have to play one little bit for you. Um, this is a sound bite. It only takes three minutes. It's definitely worth it. Um, wait, let me. Twenty-two of them, and I looked around. And I said, "Now, if we get caught, what will happen to me?" They said, "Oh, you'll get deported in twenty-four hours, and we'll go to prison for three years." I said, "You're kidding! How many of you have been in prison for your faith?" Out of twenty-two, eighteen raised their hands. I thought, "No way!" I looked at him and I said, "You, you twenty-two people, how many people do you oversee?" Because they were all of these small group leaders, underground church leaders in the Hunan province. I said, "How many? If you counted up all the people under your jurisdiction, how many would it be?" And they counted them up, and they said, "Little over twenty million." I said, "What?" See, we forget there's one point three billion people in China. This is crazy. Well. I had 15 Bibles and I passed them out. Obviously, seven didn't get them. And I said, "Let's turn to Second Peter chapter one, and we're going to read it." And just then, one lady handed hers to somebody next to her, and I thought, "Hmm, interesting." Well, we turned there anyway, and as we started reading it, I understood why she gave it away. She had memorized the whole thing. She just recited the whole chapter. When it was done, I went over to her at a break and I said. You, you, you recited the whole chapter. She says, "Oh yes, I've memorized many chapters." I said, "Where did you memorize many chapters?" She said, "In prison." She said, "You have much time in prison." So I said, "But don't they confiscate the Bible?" She said, "Yes." So people bring in scriptures written on pieces of paper, and they bring it in. So I said, but then if they find that piece of paper on you, won't they confiscate that? She said, oh yes, that's why you memorize it as fast as you can. Because <laughs> even though they can take the paper away, they can't take what's hidden in your heart. Mm. I thought, wow. Well, after three days, you fall in love with these people. And when it was done, I, I said, how can I pray for you? I'm going to go back to America. You guys have been just so wonderful. How can I pray for you? They said, "You know, Wayne, you guys can gather like this whenever you want to in America. We can't. Could you pray that one day we'll be just like you?" Mm. And I looked at him and I said, "I will not do that." <laughs> Big incredulous eyes looked at me and they said, "Why?" <laughs> I said, "Because you guys rode a train for 13 hours to get here. In my country, if you've got to drive more than an hour, people don't come." You sat on a wooden floor for three days. In my country, if people have to sit more than forty minutes, they leave. You sat not only here for three days on a hard wooden floor, but you did it without air conditioning. In my country, if it's not padded pews and air conditioning, people don't often come back. In my country, we have an average of two Bibles per family. We don't read any of them. You hardly have any Bibles, and you memorize them from pieces of paper. I will not pray that we become like uh, you become like us, but I will pray that we become just like you. That last part was a little bit stingy. Ouch. Yeah. 
true, true, true nonetheless. Uh, so you're, you're, we're talking about the Chinese sending missionaries out. It's my, I was reading that book, Jesus in Beijing, I mentioned this before, but it's their dream to bring the gospel to Jerusalem. Since the gospel went west, if you think about how the gospel spread, it went to Europe, England, America, and now it's hit China, and they want to carry it to Jerusalem. So there's Chinese missionaries that are angling to go to, to Jerusalem to share the gospel with, with the Jews. I thought that was an interesting dream that they had. And they are the fastest growing church uh, in the world. I, I don't know what the numbers are now, but the early 2000s, it was astonishing how fast the church was growing. But that's a very poignant punctuation on the, the subject because let's not let's not pray for them to be like us. Let's strive to be, to be more like them. And I have to wonder, you know, if and they are living under major yeah. oppression. Um, one of the <coughs> physicians I work with, he had been in China for a number of years when he was in college and um, just kind of learned a lot about that time. And he said, you know, we would take a tour and the whole time where they were supposed to say like, oh, we love it here. We love it here. We love it here. But then, you know, when they could and safely say it, they're like, it's it's terrible here. We you know, they're talking about we have so much freedom and it does make you wonder, is the gospel message so much more crystal clear and so much hope because of the way that they're living, um, which makes me think if and when that happens here, will the gospel message then oh, there's no doubt. grow so much stronger? A persecuted area always is, uh, I mean, it, it doesn't matter what nation, what time of, of life, the church fails prosperity every time. They just fail because we're human. Uh, with that said. We don't need God in prosperity. We don't need God, yeah. Quote, unquote, we don't and, need God. And one of the toughest verses in Proverbs mm -hmm. is where the guy says, I pray that you not help me see poverty or I'll curse you, but also don't give me more than what I need then I won't need you, you know, to, I'll, I'll think, I'll think I won't need you. Well, most Americans won't bring themselves to pray that, but yet the reality is, is that we, we even us, quote unquote, what are we called, mid, middle, mid-class Americans, we don't need God uh, the way someone that in abject poverty does type thing, or being persecuted, so uh, amen to that. The, the persecuted church always thrives. And the prosperity church struggles. Well, and it does make me wonder here. We're afraid to um, maybe be a witness or share our faith. And here, these are people that they're not risking, oh, that that was uncomfortable. They're risking, I'm going to go to prison. Right. Um, I might be separated from my family. They might actually kill me. That's what they're facing, and they're doing it un unafraid. Is, is this going to be a good career move for me? Right. Not a question. Right. Well, am I going to be ousted from the social circle and the kids' baseball circuit if I share my faith with these people? That's what we're facing, mm. not a separation, a move. Prison. A, a, some kind of, almost like a concentration camp is kind of what it sounded like where they were moving people. So I can't guarantee that's happening. It's just kind of what it sounded so like. So the news is focusing, I can't even say the word. but uh, uh, you're, Uyghurs. Say again. Uyghurs. Yes. A group of Muslims. Over Muslims, there. right. Uh, b because they're being persecuted as well. Uh, but I don't, you know, of course, our media probably is it's not advantageous to cover the persecution of the Christians. Uh, but uh, they're essentially persecuting anyone 
that has a God, if you will, as the center of their focus. Other than the government. Right. Other right. than the Chinese the government. government. Any competitor yeah. to the right. government. So having said that, um, that was eye-opening for me. It was eye-opening <laughs> to, number one, follow that Voice of the Martyrs. You can look that up. It was vom.org. They have podcasts. Um, they interview people that are in the mission field in these very um, hotbed areas right. where um, Christians are being persecuted. But just to pray for them, to be mm-hmm. aware, um, to pray for what they're going through. Um, and two, just for myself, like, man, be more bold. If I've learned anything through the study of Acts, it is definitely it be more bold about your faith. What are you waiting for? What are we scared of? Why are you know? It's it's been very eye opening. But that really was conversations we're going to have in heaven with Jesus. Yeah, remember, Jesus, I, I missed uh, the Super Bowl to come to church that night. Remember, I did that for you. Remember, I, I didn't. Oh. And he says, No, I don't remember. Which year? Which year was that? Not a big event. Yes. Right after the Rams left. <laughs> but then the conversation that some young Chinese lady comes up and says, I went to prison for sharing you with my neighbor for three years. I remember that very clearly. Good stuff. All right. Well, this is usually where um, we switch to our third topic for our Trek kids, but they are not up here yet. They're so coming. do you have any clever jokes or... Or just jokes. It's probably yeah. not going to be that clever, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, or ones that I can tell. Ouch. Uh, I know. That was I've so been, mean. I've been with preachers all day, so most of the stuff I can't tell, um, the, uh, which is sad. But oh, um, I went to David uh, Griggs' funeral today, and uh, it was very well done. He, he was very well honored. Uh, David started when he was a kid, and at the church that he was buried at today. And uh, he stayed faithful to the Lord. He, he reached the age of uh, 70, I believe, and um, he was buried today. But just, just a great, great guy. So I do have a joke. Seriously. It's pretty good. When does a joke become a dad joke? Ooh. I don't know. When it becomes a parent. Yeah. That's, that's pretty that's good. Pretty good, like Tara. That's, that's pretty know. good. When Nobody becomes crickets. Crickets. Parent. So for the ladies out there, I'll explain. There's a double meaning to the word apparent. <laughs> Is that a dad joke? Yes, that's very much a dad joke. Uh, I love it. No, um, but dads are so good at that. They're so good at, at obvious stuff. It's funny to them. Yeah. And everybody else are like, I don't wow. get it. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning why it's funny. Yeah. You know? Dad joke what book when I a couple of years Christmas ago. The only one I can remember is uh, I used to wonder where the sun went when it went down, and it dawned on me. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty My good. dad was a butcher, so I had a lot of butcher jokes. Like right. you heard about the butcher that backed into the meat grinder. He got a little behind. <laughs> that was like his favorite joke. <laughs> what do you call a cow that's laying down? Ground beef. Ground, Ground beef. beef. Oh. What's the Chinese word for uh, a baby calf? A baby calf? Meaning, uh, yeah, calf. Okay. Young cow. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's, a, that's a dad joke. That is, that is a, a dad, dad joke. joke. 
what's the what's the word for uh, constipation in China? Hung Chow. <laughs> oh my see, gosh. See, yeah. Only the pastor can get away with that. <laughs> Circle in the yeah. drain. Circle in the we'll drain. We'll take text if anybody's got Man, we need that trick class to get in here, don't we? Because <laughs> I got more. <laughs> Whether I can remember them. <laughs> What's the difference between broccoli and boogers? Well, they're both green, right? Kids won't eat broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is getting PG-13. Oh. Going to remember that one. I uh, heard that one at Disney mm, World. That one's going to stick. <laughs> that one's going to stick. We get it, Gabby. Uh, that one was pretty good. So when I was in, of course, the, you know, this is going to have some. Oh, here they come. Here Praise come. the Lord. <laughs> we'll save that. Hello, Utes. Hello. All right, so thank goodness we can start our third topic and quit telling these really strong jokes. Dead jokes. Um, so our track group is joining us. Wow. This is uh, They've <laughs> submitted multiple questions. They are very good questions, some of them um, challenging to answer, but all the same, great to ask. Um, so for our track questions this evening, what does heaven look like and what is heaven like? So we're going to let you take the lead here. Yes, Brother Gavin. So uh, I, I'm going to just make a big citation here. of All of the things that I feel like I've resolved or um, pretty much come to believe about heaven or in this book, Randy Alcorn. If you don't have this book, you, you really should get this book. And I'm going to put a plug in for the couples class. This would be a great study for the couples class to start teaching your kids about heaven. There's so many bad, bad, wrong, misinformation ideas about what heaven is that a lot of people lose interest in the joy that's coming in the future. <clears throat> so that's one of the, the topics that Randy Alcorn addresses in his book, our, our vision of heaven. How many of you think that we're going to all get a harp and a halo when we get to heaven? Good. Good, good. So you're not you're not jaded by the. I've already got mine here. You, you got it here. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'm just gonna take it with me. <laughs> I didn't know we. Where do you get it? I haven't been issued one. Uh, Amazon. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I've got it. Then. It's gonna be more than two days though. That delivery is slow no right now. Doubt. <laughs> so how many of you you seen or heard that when you die you become an angel? That used to be a common thing that was taught when I was a kid. We don't become angels. Angels are a different species of being. Um, so we're, we're going to be human. We're going to be the same thing that God created us here on earth to be. We're going to know each other. And how many of you, let me just ask you, who has a hobby that they love to do? All right. Just Somebody one. want to share their hobby? What's your hobby that you love to do? Archery. Archery. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So do you think they will have archery in heaven? Yes. I, I think that they'll have everything in heaven that we have today and even the competitions that we have today. One of the, the points that he makes in this, we're still going to have civilization in heaven. We'll be governed by a different set of rules and we'll have a different government, but we'll still have the same social things. We'll still have the, and not necessarily the same, but similar social things in heaven than we have here. Always think about heaven in that it's not going to be less than earth. Uh, Psalms 
16 and the verse ends there or the chapter ends there at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore um, at thy right hand are joys uh, I, I just butchered that but joy and pleasure are in God's presence and and when we're in heaven he's always present with us so I want to just read a little section of this book here if I can do it while I'm holding my mic and he's he's just addressing this very same question and he gives us some some uh, tips on what to think about or how to think about heaven. He says, we cannot anticipate or desire what we cannot imagine. That's why I believe God gives us glimpses of heaven in, in the Bible to fire up our imagination and kindle a desire for heaven in our hearts. And that's why Satan will always discourage our imagination or misdirect it to an ethereal notion that, notions that violate scripture. As long as the resurrection, resurrected universe remains either undesirable or unimaginable, Satan succeeds in sabotaging our love for heaven. Uh, he, he just goes on to say that we should imagine extravagantly about heaven what it will be like. So what we need is a biblically-inspired imagination. So using scripture uh, to fuel our imagination, if we can think of what we feel is pleasurable now, that that's not sin, or what we what brings us joy now, that will be an integral part of heaven for you and people that have the same interests you have. So you'll not only have all of the good things that you have now, but you'll enjoy them with people who enjoy those good things also, the same good things, and with people maybe who don't enjoy the same things you do. So the Apostle Paul said, Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into this. In 2 Timothy 2.7, I encourage you to pray. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. In Psalms 119, uh, 18, he's given two examples of being encouraged to use your imagination when it comes to thinking about God and thinking about his ways. So, um, picturing heaven. So by the time you finish reading this book, you'll have a biblical basis for envisioning the eternal heaven. You will understand that in order to get a picture of heaven, which will one day be centered on the new earth. So that's another thing we don't think about. We're still going to have an earth, a physical earth, that's conjoined with heaven that we, in, we indwell. Um, so you don't, need to, you don't need to look up at the clouds. You simply need to look around and imagine what all this will be like without sin, death, suffering, and corruption. It sounds like a wonderful place. No, no crime, no murder, no feet stealing. Um, all the, everything good that we have experienced and then some. Um, I often get asked by my clients if I believe there be animals in heaven. That's the number one question I get about heaven. And I say, of course, the Bible mentions animals in heaven. So anybody know where the Bible mentions animals in heaven? They're horses that the riders, uh, the four horsemen of the Mm -hmm. apocalypse, our Savior comes riding on a white stallion as well. Um, there's also creatures in heaven that encircle the throne of God, which I presume are animals. We have sure, no idea, no idea sure. what they were. They sing holy, holy, holy. Um, so there are certainly going to be animals in heaven, probably, um, if not the same species we have here, similar. And we have a God that's infinitely creative. We will have an infinite amount of time to discover more about God and his infinite creation. I don't think he has quit creating things. Creating. I think we're going to have nothing but uh, a, an eternity of discovery of him, discovery of the um, 
the beauty and the wonder that he wants us discover, to discover about him. I think a misconception I had, um, especially when I was younger, was that heaven is going to be boring. Um, and there's so many things I want to see on earth still. So I, I think, well, man, I don't, I don't want to go to heaven. It's probably going to be boring there. And my gosh, I like, I still I haven't seen all the national parks. I want to see the sequoias. I haven't seen Old Faithful. I got to definitely make it to Yellowstone. I haven't seen, you know, anything super tropical. I, I've only been to Mexico, but I really want to go to Hawaii because that looks really amazing. Like, there's all these things I want to see and all these things I want to do, and it's that is a misconception because when we're in heaven and we have this new earth, um, it's going to be a glorified earth. It's going to be like, if I don't make it to the Grand Canyon before I die, who cares? I've got heaven for eternity to see a glorified Grand Canyon. How much better is that going to be than what we have here and now? Um, how much more amazing is the new Hawaii going to be? Um, it will be even better. Um, and I think I've given this example before. I went um, whitewater rafting twice. If you've never done it, put it on your bucket list. It is so fun. It's one of the most fun things you can do. But don't go without John Yerke. Oh, listen. <laughs> I would like to say in the water rescue that did occur from our boat, I pulled my son back in the boat. That was that. Terrier. Got that under my don't go without belt. Terrier. I know. <laughs> anyway, it's, so, it's super fun. But I was thinking, how much more fun will that be? Who said that we weren't going to do fun things like you said sports? I've heard people say like, yeah, we'll have sports. I don't know what that's going to look like. Is there a winner? Is there a loser? Do we care? Does everybody win or does it just go on and on and it's so fun? Um, is it like an infinite broom hockey game that's just raging and super fun and nobody wins and it just starts back up again the next day? Um, I like to imagine things like that. Uh, I just think that whatever you enjoy here, um, if you love, I don't know if there's going to be video games. I don't. Maybe there is. But if you Why love not? to play music, Heaven's who said, I mean, less. what's glorified music going to be? You never make a mistake. You're just awesome. You're, you know, <laughs> can you play instruments you couldn't play before? Can you be an awesome swimmer that you weren't before? Basketball player that you weren't? You time to train. You'll right. eventually be able to do that, but. I'm just saying, like, I do think we limit what it will be like. And I think um, we spend so much time being busy we're staring at our phone, we're watching TV, we're playing a video game. We spend so much time entertained with things put in front of our face that we don't stop to imagine things about heaven. Like, just stop and think about it. Like, man, God created some pretty outrageous things here that we can see now. What does a glorified eternal heaven, what would that even be like? How much greater? We, we can't really even imagine it, but it would be good to try. We won't have the disadvantage of immaturity in heaven. And the reason anybody, regardless of the age, can walk up to the Grand Canyon and look at it for 30 seconds and go, okay. That's a big hole. Right, is, is because of immaturity uh, in the such. You won't have that in heaven. And so we, we will love the stuff that we see there. And, and we will, it'll, you know, when you think about it, because there will be no time. Uh, in heaven and so there'll be no limit uh, and the such lord help school's should I take that school's canceled this, this might affect all of you listen school's canceled <laughs> hello this is Kyle Curtis with the St. Clair Arthur at this time weather forecast for tomorrow <laughs> see just like heaven freezing rain may start as early as 9am and then winter 
stuck with you guys all day right. tomorrow. That's what he's really yeah, saying. He just said, we can't take that chance. If there's ice, I'm not going to. So, so another joy that we just experienced that is not going to be less in heaven. When God calls off school in heaven, <laughs> yeah, everybody's so going to rejoicing. Everybody can rejoice like a school teacher <laughs> in heaven. And heaven's going to be big enough that if you don't like the snow, you can go somewhere where it ain't snowing. Amen. Right? Amen. So I've been watching the Olympics a little bit, not a ton. Um, but the things that these snowboarders and downhill skiers can do is like mind boggling and they make it look really, really easy. Like we could all just maybe do that. I tried to snowboard on a not even quasi bunny slope, just slight incline in my backyard on my back, on my face, <laughs> on my, you know, like I couldn't do it to save my life, but I wonder in heaven, could I be like an Olympic level <laughs> snowboarder going down a half pike, like Sean so White the, flipping upside what down? What do the wrecks look like in heaven? Does yeah. Jesus come by and just touch you? And <laughs> yeah. You're back up on your board. You know, you, the broken We're gonna, leg I'm is fixed. looking forward to finding out. You know, and that is interesting. Uh, and, and so, hey, guys, give me just a second. I want to try to bring out a, a cool point here. The reason that the Jews were so excited about the Messiah coming was not because they were going to have salvation. It was because they were going to have a general that when they fought the Roman army, that when they got killed or hurt, he'd just walk by and heal. That'd be pretty exciting, to, you know, because you got a general here that is not affected by death and the such. Even though he died on the cross, that he, he willingly gave up his life. And so... All of these zealots, if you will, that's what they were called by the Roman, uh, you know, the Romans. They were thrilled and excited that the Messiah was going to be their general, you know. So you fight with abandon. And it will be very similar in heaven, but, but in heaven it will be real that you're going to do stuff with abandon because you're not going to get hurt. And if you do get hurt, Jesus will heal you. It's all good. There'll be no, so you'll be. If you do have a compound fracture, you won't cry. There'll be no tears in heaven. Amen. No, no, no hospitals. Look, look at that. <laughs> and, you know, something when I was a, you know, a teenager and just thinking back when people would talk about heaven, they'd say, well, there's no pain in heaven. There's no pain. And I would think, well, I'm not in any pain. You know, I'm 15 years old. I'm yeah. never in pain. And then I realized that meant emotional pain as well. That's right. And if you've ever had somebody, you know, really hurt you or, you know, you've been really disappointed, you've had, you know, maybe... I don't know, um, you've been through a lot. A lot of you are young enough that you've already experienced a lot more pain than adults even have, and um, there's no pain in heaven. There's Amen. no disappointment. Nobody lets, you're not going to be let down. You're not going to experience other people's sin that affects you anymore. Yeah. That was something that I finally realized that and thought, boy, I am looking forward to heaven. And those can be the most crippling. Yeah. One last thing. question, kids. How many of you prayed to be out of school tomorrow? There is a God. Look at there. All right. See you next week.